Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another wonderful episode of All Tea, All Shape with your girl, Retro Nigerian. Um, I hope that everybody enjoyed last week's episode. Or not last week's, but <laughs> that was what I dropped a few days ago. Look at me talking like I got heck of episodes. Um, but I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. Um, I got a lot of positive responses from that. And it was really dope to see, like, just what everyone thought. Um, I really appreciate all the support, and I'm so excited to continue to push forward. Um, So this week, we are going to be talking about something that has been in the Black Twitterverse for the last week now, Um, World War III, as everybody is calling it, quote-unquote, Um. I decided to talk about this topic because I think it's really important um, for us in the Black community to start becoming more familiar with what is happening outside of the United States and outside of our community. Um, Just because the more updated that we are um, overall on what the United States is doing, uh, the more well-informed we will be and, you know, we'll be able to make more politically accurate (laughs) and informed decisions that will play out well for us in the future. So let us begin. So I think that before we start talking about what happened last Friday with the assassination of uh, one of Iran's top generals, we need to talk about when the hell did all this start? Because me, myself, personally, when, you know, I first started learning about all the craziness going on in the Middle East, I realized that there's a lot of, like, history that um, that needs to be understood before you can really, like, grasp why we are where we are today and how we got there. So we're going to be unpacking all that. Um, So this episode is going to be a little bit longer, uh, but I hope you guys don't stick it out with me because all this stuff is really important and it'll kind of just help put everything into perspective and kind of give you a better understanding of where Iran is coming from in this uh, in this particular situation. So um, this all actually started back in 1953. Um, tensions between the U.S. and Iran began uh, when the CIA led a coup d'etat to overthrow the democratic, the democratically elected leader Mohammad Mossadegh at the time, and replaced him with Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the last Shah of Iran. So Pahlavi was then eventually ousted by Grand Ayatollah Khomeini, who was strongly anti-American during the Iranian revolution of 1979. So basically, the CIA went into Iran in 1953 and messed with their democracy, and they put in somebody who they thought would be more um, more kind to U.S. interests and what the United States was trying to do. So that was the first time, officially, that, well, on documentation that we started messing with Iran in particular. And then, so fast forward to 10 years after, 
Fast forward to 10 years after, former President Obama was successful in beginning to mitigate tensions in the region um, by entering in the Iran nuclear deal, which our current president promptly exited. Um, But before we go there, let's kind of let's kind of go back a little bit more and let's kind of just let's kind of try to step out of the America first privileged shoes and kind of try to like see the story from the other side. So from the Iranian perspective, the country itself seems to be in a very insecure place geopolitically. Now when we talk about geopolitics, geopolitics is specifically referring to the, the political uh, environment that surrounds a country based on where they're located. So the geopolitics of, say, China or, well, say Japan would be a better example, would be a little bit different from the geopolitics of, um, of a landlocked nation like, uh, like Saudi Arabia. Um, or, or even, um, or even like India or even like South Africa, just wherever you are in the world, like where you're located specifically does have an impact on the way that you do politics and the way that like you do business with other countries around you. So geopolitically, uh, Iran feels very insecure and that I'll tell you where that comes from. So in 1980, Iraq invaded Iran on the orders of Saddam Hussein, further destabilizing the region for another eight years. Iraq, like most countries in the world, also has U.S. military bases near the country's border in Baghdad. Afghanistan, which was invaded by the United States in 2001, is stoked in U.S. military presence and has now become a breeding ground for Sunni extremism and the Taliban. Turkey has a NATO base. Pakistan is encompassed in the U.S. military presence as well as more Sunni extremism and is what the Iranian government actually deems the home of the Taliban. So you have Turkey, you have Iraq, you have Afghanistan, you have Pakistan, and the Persian Gulf, which uh, includes Israel, which is a huge ally to the United States. Um, And then you also have the fact that we have a Navy and we have Navy and Air Forces in Qatar, Bahrain, and Saudi Arabia. All these countries are literally surrounding Iran, and they are soaked with nothing but U.S. military might and influence. So it does seem that since 1953, the United States has launched a concentrated effort to make Around geopolitically insecure while also asking the international community to participate by isolating the country. Um, and we can also kind of infer that all, all these events, you know, these things that we just talked about, all this U.S. meddling, may have also played a part in Iran's decision to fund anti-American groups in the Middle East, such as Hamas and Hezbollah. So, you know, Back in, um, uh, I believe it was in earlier 2019, when there was a um, there was a UN conference, 
in New York and uh, the current president of, Hass- of, of Iran, Hassan Rouhani, was asked about uh, feeling isolated in the region, he responded and said, we are not alone. The U.S. is the one that is isolated. We are not isolated in our region. We are a member of it. The U.S. are the strangers here. They have entered the region from afar and face security threats due to their presence here. Tell me, is ISIS the terrorist group or is it the ones that are fighting them? You know, and it, it doesn't help that Israel and, um, and uh, Saudi Arabia to this day continues to like help out in the, you know, the United States of ganging up on Iran. So in, in, in 2018, in May of 2018, the United States, fast forwarding to today, of course, the United States, we pulled out of uh, the, the international treaty between us and Iran that would prevent Iran from becoming another global nuclear power uh, superpower known as the Iran nuclear proliferation deal. Um, shortly after we pulled out of that, our ally in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, promptly launched airstrikes in Yemen to deter Iran-backed troops in Yemen, such as the Houthi rebels. So one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to keep up with everything that's going on in the Middle East is because we don't have all the context information. We don't have the... Nobody's sitting there telling you that Actually, you know, Iran is stationed in Yemen and in Lebanon and has influences there. No one is telling you that Saudi Arabia is also, you know, stationed nearby and is also having influences there. Like, no one is telling you that there are different, like, government entities and different uh, militant groups that are backed by foreign governments that are stationed in all these different places that are influencing kind of, like, everything that we're seeing going down. So to reiterate, once we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, Saudi Arabia saw it as the go ahead to launch the airstrikes in Yemen, right, that we saw that was big on the news that, you know, everyone was talking about for like a day. (laughs) That was really big on the news. They launched airstrikes in Yemen to deter the Iranian backed groups. Uh, like the Houthi rebels. The Houthi rebels are the ones who are positioned in Yemen right now, and they're currently, you know, they're kind of terrorizing everybody. Uh, so then after that, right, after Saudi Arabia launched the airstrike in Yemen to deter Iran, the current administration, which means Trump's administration, the Trump administration's next course of action was to send Jared Kushner to the Middle East to put together and announce America's essential peace plan for the Middle East, right? So that was this that big conference that everyone was talking about for like a day, once again. <laughs> um, and where Jared Kushner, he, was, he went to the Middle East and he was supposed to be talking about how to begin fostering stabilization and peace all throughout the Middle East. But... Most of the time, he really just focused on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the escalating proxy war, well, what was at the time a proxy war between Iran, Saudi Arabia, the U.S., Israel, and several other militant groups on the ground. So a proxy war, for those who don't know, is like, it's like 
when you you're egging each other on like you're doing a whole bunch of little stuff like nobody can really prove that the other side did this but we're really suspicious so now we're going to up our military and we're going to be on our toes and we might you know launch some attacks on the slick under but you're not gonna find out that we was the ones who did it but you know basically just continue to like egging each other on doing heck of little stuff to get each other mad all the way up until you do get like a full blown out conflict. So it would have been more effective, right? When Jared Kushner went to this conference about fostering peace in the Middle East to own up to the things that the United States had did wrong in the past that had contributed to escalating tensions and to acknowledge the fact that the United States has consistently messed with the democracy, not just of just, just other different countries abroad, but like especially in the Middle East, uh, especially, you know, due to all the oil and the mineral resources that are in the region, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's, that's in a perfect world. You know, that's, that's, if, that's if people were actually honest actors and, you know, they, they weren't in it for the money and, and, you know, the people who was writing legislation actually really gave the first, F about the people who they were writing the legislation for. Anyways, um, so um, this little meeting that Jared Kushner had in 2018 was called the Prosperity Workshop. And um, it was something that even even when he was talking about Israeli-Palestinian issues, Understand that at the time, the Palestinian folks uh, were boycotting this so-called prosperity workshop. The Palestinian officials themselves, like the the actual like the the representatives at the government level for the Palestinian people, they boycotted this workshop. So how are you going to talk about what's going on with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and half the party that is affected is not even allowed in the room? Like it was nothing but Saudi Arabian and Israeli officials in the room, right? And this, uh, after the prosperity, well, well, simultaneously is what I should say, because it happened right around the same time, the prosperity workshop happened, the United States moved um, the embassy from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, uh, or uh, they moved the, the uh, sorry, they moved the, uh, they moved the United States embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and claimed Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in 2018. Now, if anybody knows anything about religion, we all know and understand that, you know, it it was it was written in the holy book of the Torah that, you know, once the holy land, it was written in the Torah and it was written in the Bible that once the holy land is claimed uh back to the Israelites, Jerusalem, um, is claimed back to the Israelites, then, you know, that's the, one of the beginnings of, uh, at least in the Bible, it's one of the beginnings of Armageddon. And, you know, we're all supposed to, everybody, okay, I don't understand Armageddon. Like, what's so great about it? Like, we're, everybody dies. Like, you either get ascended, right, quote unquote, to heaven, or you're left behind on earth and then demons come to rape your skull. And either way, you die, though. So I just, I don't understand what's supposed to be so great about, you know, killing off half the population. Okay, but anyway, sorry, that's besides the point. <coughs> Conversation for later. So back to, uh, back to, 
back to uh, we us moving the capital to Jerusalem and claiming Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in 2018. Well, this set off another socialized bomb in the Persian Gulf in the Middle East and further uh, alienated Palestinians specifically from what was supposed to be a comprehensive peace plan for the entirety of the Middle East. So, you know, we go in there in 1953, we mess up everything democratically, and then we're egging on a whole bunch of different wars because I didn't even get to the fact that during the uh, during the uh, Iranian revolution, we were supplying Iranians and we were also on the under supplying the Iraqis through the Iran-Contra deal. But we're not going to get into that right now. But, you know, <coughs> so, um... This is just all to say thus far to just to date our involvement. And this is what we've been doing in the Middle East. This is what we've been doing in the region. And then at the same time, we have also been stacking up on military bases all throughout the region. So, I mean, I can't I don't really blame Iranians for being anti-American. I don't, if anybody in the Middle East has anti-American sentiments, it's really hard to blame them because, you know, just for a second, putting myself in their shoes, I don't know about y'all, but I like to put myself in other people's shoes. Just for a second, when I put myself in their shoes and I'm thinking, well, you know, if I grew up having my neighborhood bombed by American bombs, having my uh, family members and friends taken out by American troops and snipers for what seems to be no reason at all, because there isn't a clear-cut reason for why they're bombing or why they're sending troops into these areas or anything like that. I I I don't think I would be I don't think I would be feeling America too much. I I don't think I'd be I don't think I'd really be messing with America too much like that, you know. But you know, but 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 but, but that's just me myself personally. You know, that's that's just me myself personally. So, um with that being said, um fast forwarding to today, um what happened this week, uh, not this week, but what happened last week, Friday, um, was that the United States um, approved a drone strike. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me back up a little bit because I'm making all these bad generalizations. Trump, Donald Trump, y'all president. Donald Trump, he went ahead and approved a drone strike that killed um, one of the top generals of Iran, General Soleimani. Um, And I really just want to, I really just kind of want to let y'all know right now that me myself personally I am not a fan of General Soleimani I am not in favor of his methods I am not in favor of his ways I don't think that he's an amazing person I don't support the man in any way whatsoever with that being said I think that it's critical for us to look at the facts and to have the context of the whole situation. 
So while General Soleimani wasn't the greatest man in the world, one of the reasons, the, the reason actually why he's so freaking popular in Iran is because he was so good at fighting ISIS. Like he was, if you wanted to cut down ISIS fighters, General Soleimani was the man, right? So at one point, the United States, uh, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, or no, no, not Saudi Arabia, and Iraq, and Iraq were all fighting ISIS on the same side, on the same soil, uh, uh, and it was, it was effective. It, it was an effective means of, of ousting terrorism in the region at the time. And that, 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 that is like the reason why when you see on TV, like people um, in the streets of Iran, you know, angry and protesting his death and all that, that's the main reason why, because he stopped a lot of destruction from happening to the Iranian people. So I think that that is something, um, that is something that should be recognized. Um, and also I kind of just want to, I kind of just want to give y'all the response from Iran, from officials from Iran, um, and other folks, um, and just kind of seeing like what, 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 what was, what was the initial reaction and what was everyone kind of talking about, uh, when, when this event first took place. So, uh, this is, this quote, uh, comes from NPR. Um, it's an article written by Colin Dwyer, or Dwyer, excuse me. Um, and it says both of the leading figures in Iran's government, Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ati Khamenei and President Hassan Rouhani, have vowed to take revenge for the killing or harsh retaliation, in the other words, of, in the, the direct words of Khamenei. Um, he, and then Hassan Rouhani, President Hassan Rouhani, the Iranian president, actually also tweeted that the flag of General Soleimani in defense of the country's territorial integrity and the fight against terrorism and extremism, that's in reference to um, the work that Soleimani did fighting against ISIS in the region, will be raised and the path of resistance to U.S. excesses will continue. The great nation of Iran will take revenge for this heinous crime. That's directly from President Hassan Rouhani's uh, it's, uh, Twitter. Um, and then there's also another quote from The Intercept uh, that I want to read that says, Soleimani was a popular figure inside Iran, and even many Iranians who are against the government are likely to be outraged about the targeting of a high-ranking official of their country. No Iranian leader will be able to spare the political capital to engage with the U.S., at least for the foreseeable future. So this quote is really just saying that right now, based on the way that we've been acting and, you know, how we've been kind of messing around, we're not likely to have any type of diplomatic negotiations with the Iranian government probably for the next 20 plus years. It doesn't matter if Bernie Sanders wins or not. Okay, Bernie 2020, let me just say that right now. Bernie 2020, that is a white man with receipts. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm the our black candidates, they could not hold up. They was too thin-skinned. They was not ready. They was taking that corporate money. Gotta follow the money, y'all. Bernie 2020, I'm, I'm telling y'all, 
that is a white man with receipts. And that's what we need. We need receipts, y'all. But, uh, but yeah, going back to what I was saying, it don't matter even if Bernie Sanders becomes president. The Iranian government, they're not going to, even if the Iranian government wanted to deal, wanted to, you know, do any type of dealings or negotiations with us, the Iranian people are not going to stand for it. Like, part of the reason why the Iranian uh, revolution happened and part of the reason why an anti-American figure such as, um, uh, and, 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 uh, as such a, such a, the main reason why such an anti-American leader like the Grand Ayatollah Khomeini of 1979 can be elected is because we keep messing with their stuff. We gotta stop messing with their stuff. If, if anybody else, if any other country on this earth did a tenth, not even a tenth, what a hundredth, just one one hundredth of the things that we have done to other people, other countries, there would be no international community because we would bomb everybody. Us taking out that general is the, literally the direct equivalent of the Iranian government assassinating Mike Pompeo or General Mattis or any other a military general that you know most Americans are well are are well versed with or you know know a lot about or at least you know our household names that is that is an act of war like we have we we we're we're literally poking the bear like I don't even know how I don't even know how else to say it we're literally poking the bear like no Somani was not a great man but we have no right Based on the way that we be acting, how we be going around and waving our sticks at everybody else, we have no right. Like, the hypocrisy is too much. And, like, this whole situation just, it, it really pisses me off because these are the types of events that happen that you can't ever take back. The, like, every, we have Americans, we have such a short memory, but people in different parts of the world remember things that we do because it has lasting effects like going back to when we dropped the nuclear bomb in Hiroshima to this day there are generations of people who are negatively affected because of that one decision that we made almost a hundred years ago can you can you just anyways sorry y'all but this this really fires me up because this is that white privilege that we be talking about because now Trump makes a decision like this and he can just go on about his day. He can just leave office and, and it'll just be whatever. And then the next person coming in is going to have to deal with it. Not just that, but think about the way that anybody who represents the United States going into that region of the world is now going to be looked at as like, thankfully for us, the Iranian government has, you know, previously stated that they understand that this is just the doing of the American government and not the American people. So I'm hoping to the black female God that I freaking pray to every day that that sentiment will last and they will continue to feel that way because I'm sorry, we're, we've been playing with fire since 1953. And you know what? The chickens are going to come home to roost and it's, it's not going to be cute. And this time around, it's especially not going to be cute because 
we don't have something like 9-11 to stoke fear and not just the American people, but the international community as a whole. Like, one of the things that people have to remember, like, when we're talking about this whole World War III thing is the simple fact that we don't have the same type of international support that we had in the past when the other world wars happened. When the other world wars happened, we had the support of all of our allies and, you know, some the support of, you know, other nations that we didn't think that we was going to get their support. And they was really, they was really messing with us and they, they wanted to see us, you know, pull through. But this time around, France has already come out and said that this is stupid. Like, do, do I have the quote? Let me, let me see if I have the quote from, uh, I don't have the quote, but, um, the French prime minister has already come out and said that this was a foolish, uh, this was a foolish attempt. Um, just, just, uh, to real, real quick, uh, I want to read this quote, uh, by the Iranian foreign minister, Javad Sarif. He called the killing of General Soleimani an act of international terrorism and warned it was extremely dangerous and a foolish escalation. And then we also are finding out, you know, based on the little research that I did, that um, apparently now we are detaining Iranian citizens at the border and we are questioning them for hours on end in response to the fact that we attacked one of uh, Iran's top generals. So the Washington State Chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, a prominent Muslim civil liberties group, said on Sunday that more than 60 people of Iranian descent, including American citizens, including American citizens, were held for hours-long periods of questioning over the weekend at the Peach Arch checkpoint in Blaine, Washington, along the border with Canada. Now, this was only possible, right, because I guess there was some type of festival, like Iranian pop festival that was going on, um, that was going on in Canada. And so you had a, a large concentration of Iranian folks that were traveling um, to Canada and upon them returning, they're getting detained. Um, and then... Uh, this is this quote is coming from Politico. It says a source at U.S. Customs and Border Protection had reported that the agency received a national directive from the Department of Homeland Security to report and and detain anyone with Iranian heritage entering the country who was deemed potentially suspicious. Who is deemed potentially suspicious? Where where have we heard that before? You're I'm suspect. You're potentially suspicious. Or adversarial, regardless of citizen, regardless of citizenship status. What the, what have we come to? What, what, what? man? Forget World War Three. Do you do you know what this means? A directive from the Department of Homeland Security, an entity, a member of the Department of of I think the home, Department of Homeland Security. Oh no no no! Department of Homeland Security is a department on on its own, but a member, a portion of the United States government that is telling officers, Border Patrol officers, to detain and report anybody who they may deem to be to potentially suspicious, regardless of their citizenship status. Well, what are we doing then? 
if if we're just gonna look now that now they're treating the Iranian people like black folks at this point. Now now they're starting to treat y'all like black folks because I I just look when when it comes down to it at the end of the day, y'all. We have to continue to stay informed. We have to continue to understand the context in which these situations are bubbling over. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that it's time for us to stop sitting around and just saying, well, what can I do about it? Get informed. Do a Google search. Understand what's going on. Vote the right way. Hell, run for office your damn self. Like, we, it's, I know, like, it seems like there's so much going on with us, you know, we got, we got these loans, and we got car payments, we got bills, and, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that needs our attention, but, hey, check this out, like, there will be no car payments, there will be no bills, there will be no none of that if we all get evaporated and eviscerated, because we continue to allow the wrong people to make these dumb decisions for us. And these decisions, not even based on any type of like sensible interest, but simply based on money and simply based on access. Iran is a huge threat to the United States because Iran is showing the world that you can have a country that is anti-American, right? That goes against everything that America stands for and is still very successful, still very powerful and still can function. And that is part of the reason why we got into World War II or not uh, why we got into uh, into the Cold Wars in the first place. That's part of the reason why we got into it with the Soviet Union, because we were scared that there was another way of being, of existing, of, of functioning as a whole people. And we were scared that it wasn't our way. We were scared that people weren't doing it the way that we wanted them. We wanted them to do it by way of democracy. And honestly, what democracy Right. Like, let, let's be honest. It's, it's not really about democracy. Like, so I, I, I'm, I'm pissed off at the fact that I saw Mike Pompeo today talking about, you know, well, the Iranian people are happy. They're dancing in the streets because, you know, we gave them democracy. We gave them independence. Oh, yeah. We, we've been giving them independence since 1953. We, 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 we've been giving them independence since 19. Get the fuck out of here. Like, are you serious? Sorry, y'all. I'm not supposed to be cussing on this stuff. <laughs> But anyways, um, this is what I feel that the black community needs to know and needs to understand about the Middle East and what's really going on in Iran. As far as, you know, all the, you know, worry about, oh, my God, I took FAFSA, so now I'm going to be in the draft, all that. Look, I don't think that this is going to turn out into a full-blown conflict um, in terms of, like, the way that everyone has been talking about it. I know, you know, it's exaggeration, but let's just for a minute pretend everybody wasn't exaggerating, everybody was being serious. I personally don't think that it's going to get to that point where, you know, we're going to have another lottery draft um, because we, once again, we don't have enough international support. Uh, we, the, the American population right now we're not domestic support isn't even really all the way there just to put it in short and for three um i think that 
even despite all the BS that we've been doing, the Iranian government has a lot more humanity than we do. Um, and, you know, just, just to be clear, I'm not in support of the Iranian government. I think that dictatorship is awful. I hate the fact that women uh, don't even get to leave the house without being with a man. Like, I, if I was living in Iran right now, this podcast would not be possible. Uh, they would shut me down. Grand Ayatollah would shut me down. Supreme leaders would shut me down. Um, I would be arrested and killed, honestly. I'd be executed. So I'm not in support of the way that Iran itself functions under this authoritarian government. But one thing that I will always defend to this day, because I'm not a hypocrite, is the ability for nations and for countries to determine how they would like to be governed. If this is how the Iranian people want to be governed, then so be it. If the Iranian people have an issue with the way that their government is functioning, then it is up to the Iranian people and only the Iranian people to change that. We have no business meddling anything that they're doing because we had an inkling that Russian hackers meddled in our elections and we tried to hide it for one and then people wanted to be outraged about it and blow a gasket. And, you know, just because our current president is so friendly with the Russian uh, president and it, you know, that 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 situation kind of just it blew over after a while. And nobody really talked about the fact that American democracy, not for then this is not the first not for the first time, but the most prominent time or the most prominent example has been, you know, deeply shook and it's been meddled with and it's been just the integrity of American democracy hasn't existed for a long time but I think people are just now kind of waking up and getting to see what has been wrong with American democracy and the American government for so long what black folks have been saying has been wrong with the American government for so long um and it's all just kind of coming to head. And we're just in a position right now where we can no longer say, I don't know, or I don't know what's going on. Like, if at this point you don't know what's going on, I'm sorry, son. You don't want to know what's going on. You're not interested in finding out what's going on. And, you know, that's the tea and that's the real shade. Like, let's just be real with it. This this whole situation should just teach everybody the importance of being just understanding what what the hell are we doing in other places why is it like if 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 america tells you oh well they hate us and they don't want to see you ask why why what did y'all do because it didn't just it's not just out of nowhere it was all of a sudden death to america no these things happen for a reason like our actions there are things that the american government engaged in that has caused people to hate us in different parts of the world. And I'm not going to lie, the fact that we're switching off presidents every four years honestly hasn't even really helped either. Uh, One of the things that I really learned in my U.S. foreign policy class is that, you know, one of the reasons why American foreign policy specifically is so, like, mixed up and is so, like, uneven is because we we consistently have different types of bad actors you know, making all these decisions. And then every once in a while, we'll have someone who's solid try to fix it, 
but that never lasts, right? So, like, Obama tried to fix it, but, of course, that didn't last. But then, at the same time, Obama was kind of talking out the side of his mouth, too, because simultaneously, he also dropped more drones in the Middle East, in, 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 in Yemen, in, than any other uh, American president. So, I mean... But then again, Obama was also taking money from, you know, Wall Street and defense contractors, so... You know, maybe I should do, maybe my next episode should be uh, about Obama's presidency (laughs) and how you can love Obama and still criticize him at the same time because I love me the Obamas, but um, eh, uh, but anyways, that'll be for later. So, uh, so yeah, y'all stop freaking out about the draft. You're not going to get, if you didn't volunteer to, if you want to sign up and everything, um, you're not going to get randomly picked for the drafts. I don't think that this conflict is going to be blown out enough for it to reach, you know, World War standards. Um, And luckily this time around, there's more women, more women who are in the military and and women are eligible to be in the military now. So that adds, you know, a few, uh, a few thousand more troops. Um, but I think that like, we need to keep our eyes and our ears open because, you know, at the same time that this is happening, um, in the Middle East, there's also stuff going around in different parts of the world. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in Nicaragua, Colombia. Like, I'm going to be doing, that's, my next episode is going to be on what's going on with um, the black communities in Nicaragua and Colombia and Brazil as the forest fires are raging on, as um, as the Nicaraguan government is descending into madness, uh, what's going on in Bolivia, the black community there. Um, and we're going to get all the tea and all the shade on that. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in once again. It's another wonderful episode of All Tea, All Shade with your girl, Retro Nigerian. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Don't forget to follow tea.shade.lemonade on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I converted my personal Twitter page into the All Tea, All Shade Twitter page now. So you can follow, uh, All Tea, All Shade at Retro Nigerian on Twitter. Um, once again, the app for the Twitter is Retro Nigerian. Um, and then we're also still waiting to get approved on like a few more, uh, a few more platforms waiting to get approved on Apple. I'm trying to figure out how to upload, uh, the audio to SoundCloud. Um, lots of technical things, but yeah, just bear with me. Uh, don't forget to tell folks about the podcast. Uh, literally it's for the politically informed and socially ratchet. Like there's no better way for me, no other way for me to put it. That's my audience, the politically informed and socially ratchet. So if that's you follow, follow, follow. Um, and yeah, I hope to see you all next week.